0: Hi, and welcome to Microphone Gain number three. Microphone Gain is a project of the Game Arts International Network. I'm Jim Monroe. Today, we're going to be speaking to Sagan Yi from the Hand Eye Society in Toronto and Alex Shearer from Seattle Indies about creating welcoming spaces for underrepresented groups. Hope you enjoy.
1: I guess you're running the Hand Eye Society now, is that correct?
2: Yeah. I'm the second executive director. I, Great. I took over beginning of 2016.
1: Okay. So it's been a little while then. Great.
2: Mm. And you run, um, Seattle Indies.
1: Yeah. I mean, I help, I help do it. I think maybe, uh, our organization is a little bit more like, uh, I don't know, bottoms up <laughs> might be the right word. So it's not like, I'm not like the commander calling every shot or whatever, but I do help, uh, uh, with the board and uh, help start most of our events and so forth.
2: Okay, cool. Uh, yeah. And how and long I, has uh, how long has Seattle Indies been around?
1: Uh, let's see. Uh, when I let's see, uh, I don't remember the exact date or year that Seattle Indies itself came around. I was probably, I would say, like four or five years ago, maybe. And then I started a group called Seattle Games Co-op. And that was probably in 2010, uh, I think that's right. And hmm. uh, that, was, that was just doing like some meetups here and there. And eventually uh, the person who was running Seattle Indies at the time, uh, whose name is Zach Eichmann, uh, he ended up moving to Japan for a great opportunity out there. And so he was like needing somebody to sort of take the reins from Seattle Indies and I was already hosting all these events and doing all this, all this other stuff. So we're like, let's just put the two events, the two groups together and, uh, you know, just take the Seattle Indies branding. Cause I thought that was better branding mm. and, uh, you know, bring on some of the people who were helping with, with the Seattle Indies thing, which was at the time that was primarily just a single social and the Seattle Indie expo, which is like this annual game showcase that we do. So we combine that with all the rest of the events and, uh, that was, in like 2015 or something like that. Okay. So it's, yeah, it's all just been kind of moving along, uh, getting you know, a little bit bigger, a little bit more sophisticated every every year, it feels like.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Cool, and so you have a board. Um, are you, a, is yeah. Seattle Indies a nonprofit or what's the structure? And it's yeah, a, American too, so.
1: Right, yeah, it is American, that's right. Yeah, we, we, we uh, became a 501 C3. Right. Uh, Past year, So for, for the longest time, it was completely, you know, volunteer amorphous
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: thing. And uh, shortly after we combined those two groups, one of the people in the group was, you know, sort of laying the case out that it wasn't as hard as we might have thought to become a, you know, official entity. And, of course, it conferred benefits like uh, the making it a little bit easier to raise funding potentially. Uh, Spelling out some of the rules and so forth of of what we were, so mm-hmm. we went ahead went ahead and did that, and of course had to form a board. Right. And yeah, you know that's that's been part of the growing experience this past year is just figuring out, uh, you know, how to transition from again like an amorphous bottoms-up thing into a little bit more organized top-down, still bottoms-up, but you know yeah. <laughs> a little bit more. Now that we have like actual titles and responsibilities and have the file paperwork every year.
2: <laughs> right yeah when i when I joined handeye it was it was um there was there was money, there was funding involved, but it was I think definitely more amorphous than it is now yeah uh, but yeah. I think even when we when handeye started, there was still like an executive director and then everyone else doing right. their part, yeah.
1: I, mean, I think that's that helps clarify some things and can make things a little bit easier in some sense. Like uh when you have to resolve all these unanswered questions, it can be a <laughs> potentially like fractious moment where you're like, uh, who's on the board and who's not and whose role is what and so course, mm-hmm. If you start with all these things clear, I mean you have maybe a different set of problems, but at least like people understand what the mission is and an idea of like, you know, where the buck stops and so yeah. forth. It's yeah kind of... who's
2: accountable and <laughs> all that stuff
1: yeah, yeah definitely, yeah, and so I mean as far as today's talk um i mean I'm happy to talk about different topics uh and just try to pick your brain, however, but uh one i think the the genesis of it was around uh uh what was it uh diversity and and you know just creating an accessible space and bringing more people in into the into the tent um you know so i i guess you know, i uh, love to hear a little bit about, you know, what you guys have done on that and uh, what, you know, uh, what success looks like to you and whether you're there or still working there and that kind of thing. Uh, and I can talk a little bit about my side of that as well, if you'd like.
2: Right. Um, so, uh, I guess I'll... I'll ask you a question first. Like, do you feel like you're having a challenge with diversity or inclusion? Right. And, and I assume there's a reason this was a topic that you gravitated towards.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I would say it's a challenge for us. I, I think the challenge, there, there's, there's probably some really basic stuff that, uh, you know, that maybe you'll help shed a light on. Like, uh, I mean, we, we, for example, currently do have a code of conduct, which is a little bit like, I think, your safer spaces uh, document, the policy that,
2: mm-hmm.
1: that I, I was reading online the other day. Um, but that was a relatively recent addition. So that was like a simple thing, you know, uh, yeah. and in that sense, hopefully that will help. But, but I, I feel like the broader problem that we have, uh, is, uh, well, I, I don't, I don't know without trying to speculate at the beginning, I to to describe what I've been observing is that most of our events skew very highly towards like a single demographic, uh, you know, and to put a name on it, you know, like white mm-hmm. male white male yeah. game developers, and that's partly, <clears throat> you know, a product of uh, the way the thing has grown and like the social networks it grew out of uh, um, they, the events themselves, the content of the events tends to be are focused around game development, like, you know, actively doing game development or getting feedback on your games or things like that, or socializing. Uh, and for whatever the reasons are, I think you know we haven't done a great job reaching beyond uh you know again white predominantly white mm-hmm. males. and uh and i think that you know the, the there are other audiences who want to get involved in game development or are doing game development uh and sometimes they come to our events but we're not we don't do a good job consistently keeping them at the events if that makes sense and so right you know uh yeah any advice you guys have uh any tips or you know i don't i'm not expecting like a a light switch that I can flip. <laughs> right. <laughs> <You> know, <but laughs> sure. Like, things yeah. that, that we could start to lay the groundwork down, basically, uh, you know, plant the seeds and try to see what we can sow in the future.
2: Uh, yeah. That would
1: be very helpful, definitely.
2: Great. Yeah. Um, no, those are all really great questions. And uh, uh, like a total disclaimer, we Hand Eye Society, as a general video game arts organization, uh, still struggles with the same thing. Um, right even though we have put a lot of things in place. So uh, I guess uh, maybe I'll get into that later, but I'll say some things that I think have worked for us. Uh, so you mentioned stuff like code of conduct and safe spaces policies, and um, those those are really good to have, but they're not doorways, which I think is right. kind of what you're looking for. They're not doorways into the, the closed space that is the video game community. Um, they're they're there to like catch people when when something uh, to have a process in place for it if someone's already right. in the door and there's a issue but yeah it doesn't it's not something that gets people into the door right. Uh, right. so for me the thing the, sort of the number one thing i think is just being specific about being specific and honest about what it is you're looking for so to uh, basically stating the problem and then carving out a specific space. It might be um, a specific night that's uh, only women or people of color, um, and not having that led by you know the same white men that are leading the right. general sessions. Okay. Um, or it could be uh, like Toronto is interesting because we have uh, dames making games here in Toronto as well. So they they're. That is like their total mandate is to um, carve out that space right. for women. Uh, so you need kind of something like that. That's because the existence of such a thing that is specifically um, geared towards a, a group is stating the problem. Like this, mm. gr- this group wouldn't need to exist if things were like already perfect. <laughs> right. So you, you, you uh, by by putting the space there. Uh, you don't really need to like elaborate on it that much, sure. right? That um, yeah. So, like, yeah. If, if it's not a if it's not a separate organization, it could be like um, I know other tech organizations in Toronto sometimes have a a women um, LGBTQ night, right. and so that's like set aside. Um, um, and then, of course, you have to you kind of have to. Uh, gain the trust of of the community. So who is going to be um, running those nights, um, and then like where do you where do you promote the existence of these nights? Right. Uh, so you kind of you kind of have to like start with who you know. Like are there other women who are who right. do frequently come out to Seattle Indies who also believe that, that it's this is a problem and. Right. Um, and also, like, of course, women aren't a, a monolith, so, you know, you, 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 they might not have a problem with just being in a room full of men, and so maybe that's not, like, running a women's night might not be something that they're into. But if you can yeah, find, yeah. like, you, if you can find uh, those people and, and just talk to them about, like, what they think uh, the challenges are and what they think the solutions are... Um, I would start from yeah. there, like sort of starting a dialogue with the people, with the people that you already know, because I'm sure that you already have right. people in mind that you could probably talk to.
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, and one, just to reflect back a little bit what you're saying, make sure I understand, and also have a follow-up question. Like, uh, you know, I, I, what I'm hearing you say is it might, it might be a, a prudent idea to identify a few potential leaders in the different categories, uh, like women, people of color, uh, LGBT, that was, would kind of lead to my question, which is just you know if you if you've tried that from your experience, my concern would be that it would wind up actually siphoning uh people out of the main events into these other events, and then they, they might not flow back in and so in that sense it would actually almost have the reverse effect of what I want we're We're actually trying an event, and I can't speak to the results yet because it's still pretty new uh called queer Sundays, which are like a, you know sort, sort sort of trying to achieve what you're talking about but and I think it's a good you know good event worth trying but I also do have that apprehension that you know we might find that you know the people who are attending that event cease to attend uh, right? Say, for big social events you know
2: I mean I think that's that that's definitely something that could happen I guess I and for me the ultimate goal is um opening making video games more accessible to more people yeah. and if that means that I'm not in charge of that and some other group kind of becomes the leader in that respect Then oh, the, you kind of have to step back and let that happen. So there's a and you know trying to uh, it's a tr- it can be a tricky balance, like, trying to avoid tokenism and singling out, like, the one woman that you know and being like, do you want to run a women's meetup for- <laughs> so that we can get more women in here for right. uh, diversity? <laughs> and right. uh, so it can it can quickly become something like that. So it's it's really a lot about listening and asking questions and sort of feeling the general vibe of, like, is this a good idea? Is the timing right? Um are the the is everyone sort of on board with this and sometimes timing can be a thing too like sometimes it's just not the right time for something to happen mm-hmm, yeah. um you can just increase uh the likelihood that a spark uh will occur but yeah i would definitely sort of start with the people that you know and and say like do you perceive this as a problem and if so like what would your ideas be on on how to solve this issue um yeah so that's uh, that's one approach and it can go several different ways uh, the the approach that hand-eye society kind of went or the the one that um the direction i wanted to go in because uh so this is around 2013 i think is uh, is when game curious started so game curious is a program that jim asked me to run uh around 2013 and yeah. Um, it was my solution to the to the issue of there there was already a women in games group so games making games had founded it, and it was like be- being a huge success and everyone was really into that uh, model mm. and so I didn't I didn't want to like draw I didn't just want to like copy that and like yeah. draw attention yeah. from it so I but I, I did want to do something um, uh, for hand eye society so. Uh, Jim pretty gave me pretty he kind of left it up to me to determine what game curious would be Jim came up with the name and, and helped um, sure. uh, with the with the idea of it but basically the uh, the idea was that it was a program about exploring video games for people who don't identify as gamers so mm-hmm. and that was very explicit <clears throat> because we found that like you know as soon as you put the word video game on something and don't qualify it with anything else it's a video game event then the same the exact same people will show up over and over right right. so you have so again it's about being honest and explicit about what it is you're doing so we were we were very um we we put a you know right in the mandate about what it was and um it's no pressure you don't have to know anything about video games and uh we actually because you know, people who were excited about video games and saw this as a way, like, oh, we're gonna, like, teach people about video games and we're gonna, sort of, tell them about how great video games are, and I wanted to, kind of, also break down that side of it and say, like, no, you're here to learn from each other, like, gamers mm-hmm. have as much to learn from non-gamers as the other way around, which was, like, a, a really new idea to some people who were like, what what, yeah. what does that even mean? Um, <laughs> and and you know with some of the, the younger volunteers or like uh, younger participants like you know if you're if your mom or your dad or your grandpa is playing like and they're they're playing it kind of in a way that you, you don't like like don't snatch the controller away and like say here's how to do it properly like trying right. to sort of get to that idea of you know there's no one right way to play uh so so that kind of had the effect of a lot of a very diverse audience uh, coming out to these sessions, not just in terms of uh, gender or sexuality, but um, also age and race. And it was very intersectional, which I thought was interesting. Uh, So because it was very clearly stating where the door was, like this door is open and everyone is welcome to come in. Right. Uh, and th- this is a space for for you to explore. It's not a space necessarily for the gaming community, so you kind of have to like mark that out clearly.
1: Right, right. So I mean, it, it sounds like uh, maybe part of why that worked on, on the like on the accessibility and diversity front is that by by explicitly making it a place for quote unquote non gamers, like people who might have been afraid to show up to. Uh, quote, unquote, gamer event, you know, yeah. safe to show up this because they, they got them, the door, to use your metaphor, was, like, really clearly marked for them.
2: Yeah, exactly. And it's you kind of have to remember, like, there's still a quite a stigma or a preconception around the word gamer. Like, it's a really loaded yeah. term. And yeah. so even people who play a so, lot of games, a lot of them don't call themselves a gamer. Like, even I'm sort of hesitant uh, mm-hmm. to use that word. Uh, it sounds right. like Seattle Indies might be a little more geared towards people who make games. Right.
1: Yeah, we are definitely. But just on to like chime in on what you're talking mm-hmm. about. I've had more than a few times. Like it's a pretty regular thing that somebody will message uh, somebody you know in the group saying, "I want to attend." Uh, excuse me. I want to attend the you know the next social event or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, but I'm not. I I've never shipped a game before. Or, or right. You know, pick- Pick some some shibboleth, and you know, yeah. Am I, am I allowed to attend? <laughs> yes or yeah. no? And it's always like, yes, you can. You know, like this is right. This is an event intended for anybody who wants to get into game development or is making games, mm-hmm. uh, as long as you just bring passion and a good attitude and all that. Um, so, you know, that would be an example for us where the door maybe isn't as clearly marked, uh, and we could make some adjustments. It sounds like
2: right, because if you're if you're that person and you're like, okay, I don't make games. I'm going to email this organizer and they say, come on in. What am I going to do when I get there? Am I going to be, yep. am I, am I a play tester? Am I just hanging out? Um, am I on the outside? Like, do I want to make games, but right. uh, just need to get started? That person might not actually ever want to make games. So in that case, yep. what are they doing at this um, <laughs> event? That's sort of skewed towards uh, game creation, so, yeah. so we try to, to put more of a focus on the players, um, right? Thinking of people as players rather than gamers, mm-hmm. uh, and that's, that's why sense. the program is called Game Curious because it's not making any assumptions about who our audience is. It's just right. if if they're there, they're automatically curious about what we're doing. But they don't have to right. be anything else. They don't have to commit to anything. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't yep. have to they don't have to be into what we're showing them. We've had plenty of people (laughs) that come and I'm like trying to show them Katamari damasi, and I'm trying to explain, you know, what I think the artistry behind Katamari is and they're kind of like, uh-huh, (laughs) hmm. And you can tell it's like, they're not really into it and that's okay. So you kind of have to have this like open attitude about, uh, um, so again, the curiosity goes both ways. Like, are you curious in the people who are, are coming in the door? Are you curious about what's going through their mind? When they uh-huh. when they pick up a controller, um, right? So it's about right. it's about asking questions more than anything. Okay.
1: And but Game Curious, if if I recall from the website, there's also a making component to it as well. Is that right?
2: Yeah, and that was a a kind of a later edition. Like the first pilot that we did, a six week mm-hmm. pilot. It was it was just a like a play model. So people would come and play the games, and then we'd have a group discussion. And then and then enough people we're interested in the in the making part of it that we added a, another six weeks um mm-hmm. so play and then make so it, it, for for the more adult um or the all ages i should say uh, version of game curious it it works best to have them separated so you have six mm-hmm. weeks of play and then you get a sense for who's who are the regulars who keep showing up who's really excited to like I'm I'm playing games and I'm learning about them and I can't wait to like get my hands on the tools. Right. Um that will become apparent through the 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 play part and then by the time make comes around because there's usually like fewer spots open just so right. we can mentor people better. Um mm. so then it, it's easier to like select from the group of of people who are passionate um but for for when we work with younger people um and kids um because they're like they're not really sure you know if they want to be if they want to be into coding like not all of them right. that's not they don't want to be sitting in front of a screen all day so we kind of like yep. the play and the make becomes a little more blurred like we might have uh we we usually have aspects of them like in one day instead of like 6 weeks of one and 6 <laughs> weeks of the other uh right. just to like yeah cuz their attention span like they can't just sit down for an hour <laughs> and then, and listen to <laughs> someone talk necessarily <laughs> Right, learn how to
1: use Unity's editor. Mm.
2: Um,
1: <clears throat> you know, so So, do you find that uh, the people, let's set aside the make mm-hmm. component from it. Do, do you sign that the people who go through the play uh, experience, do they then, some of them go on to be, you know, people who attend other hand-eye events, or is that sort of just a, a channel they've swim through and then they disappear into the sunset? Um.
2: Yeah, that's a, a great question. So there, there's definitely a, a few people that just sort of swim through and then... It's kind of surprising. Sometimes you think that someone like swam through and you'll never see them again. And then like two years later, they'll come back and be like, Hey, remember me from Game Curious 2014? And you're like, Oh my goodness. Um, but actually, I think of all the programs that we run, Game Curious has been the most successful in retaining people. And actually a lot of the volunteers, we, it's really mm-hmm. good at like um, attracting volunteers because they're really excited about the mandate, um of inclusivity um, mm-hmm. and the vibes. So we it attracted a lot of volunteers and uh, they went on to be, become the, the current staff that we have today. So they right. just stuck around for years and then now they're on the payroll. Right. <laughs> um, so it's, it's, yeah, it's kind of funny. We, we, haven't run the, uh, the all ages one in a while. So next year I want to get back to that because it's Mm. definitely um, been really good for, for getting us on people's radar.
1: Right. Right. So it sounds like then, then this is a, this event, not only has it been successful in exposing, uh, you know, people who are, who are not, they don't identify as gamers to games and gaming, you know, the role of gaming. But it's also been success so in that sense it's like achieving a certain diversity aim of just like you know broadening the the world of gaming in a positive way but uh but it also sounds like it, for your organization it's even though it, you know might not have initially been clear how how it would feed back in it's actually helped your you know, the hand-eye society yeah. also uh, achieve some of its diversity goals. yeah
2: absolutely um the 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 current makeup of the staff is definitely um, uh, it's it's quite a bit different than it was at the at the beginning. Um, So definitely more women, people of color, um, people who identify um, as like non-binary, trans people, queer people. Um, So it's and and that like um, it definitely changes how an organization is kind of like presents itself to the rest of the world if they're able to go to the about us page and um they see a pretty wide mix of people and i think that i think that helps i i'm I'm always really awkward talking about this because i i hate making it sound like a captain planet like (laughs) one of us is black and there's two women and like there's a queer person and like it ends up sounding like that anyway because we're really bad at talking about these things, so yeah. I just want to put it out there: like it's, it's definitely awkward all the time. Um, oh, but, um,
1: but, with your powers combined,
2: with our powers combined, <laughs> we will play Yoshi's uh, story.
1: Right. Well, you. I think you were just saying that. Um, on the one hand, the the uh, the game curious event has been successful in changing. Some of the, the volunteer structure and the and the staff structure, like you were just talking about, mm-hmm. uh, but also that doesn't mean that the that the larger you were you were starting to say that the larger uh, membership of the society tended to skew, I guess, white male as well as I think was what you were trying to say. And then we got, we
2: got yeah, like when when it 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 also it's like the flavor of the events that we run. So Game Curious when we run that, it's it's a pretty diverse audience. When we right. start getting some like technical Unity workshops, like we just had a an experimental Unity workshop uh, mm. series, most of them were Unity, some of them weren't. Um, when you start to get to those levels, uh, you start to see like um, again the skewing of the people who right. come out, and sometimes it's like all men, and right. it's like I'm like I well I, I you know I I thought people were somewhat familiar with Hand Eye Society and um that we were like a welcoming space and all that. And I think people understand that, but for, but for some reason, there is still a barrier there to some of the events that we run that I, I'm, um, I need to look into. We, we sort of need to talk about like why that is.
1: Well, like to push you, you know, a little bit on that, like, cause I, that's kind of also where my, my you know, where I would say the Seattle Indies, uh, is at. you know, our events tend to skew more developer focused, like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, bring your laptop and work all Saturday, you know, in a shared space or, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, know, in a sort of critical oriented thing, not in a mean way, but like, you know, right. You know, trying to help you improve. Um, and, and yeah, I'd just be curious to hear sort of what, what ideas you guys have tried or, you know, or, are considering to, to try to crack this nut because it does seem like, you know, I know that there are women who are, um, you know, mm-hmm. games, and I, and I know that they would benefit from feedback, let's say, in the yes, teacher or something. Uh, so, you know, yeah, any, any, any advice or top of mind on that would be very helpful.
2: So this is, it's kind of a topic close to my heart because I came into video games through a door that the hand eye society opened back in 2011. It was a six week women in games workshop. I that see. was kind of that was kind of at the beginning of like people were actually starting to talk about like, why aren't there more women in right. games? Uh, and the, the conversation was really gaining momentum around that time. So it was the first time handeye had run something like that that was mm. specifically at women. And there was actually like pushback from the community and um, mm-hmm. there was like a lot of problems that came up uh, that, you know, were kind of hard to hard conversations to have. So it's, it's definitely not like, oh, we'll just like, throw a bunch of women in a room and everything will be great. But right. the reason I took that workshop was because, again, it was specifically for women. Right. And it was also like um, it wasn't just a one-off workshop. It was six weeks. So yeah. I think something about the, the small, like limiting the number of people, it was like six participants per um, incubator. So something about that idea of like limiting the number of participants, extending the length of time. So it's more of a like focused right. mentorship thing. Like you're going to work on a project over a period of time with the same people and kind of like get to know each other instead of like just parachuting into this crowd of people that you've <laughs> never met before and might never see again. Um, and they, they might all be dudes and you don't know right. if you're going to feel comfortable in that environment. Yeah. So, so, sort of, sort of. uh, Yeah, I guess when you when you make a space, you're creating boundaries. So, you know, if you're if you're going to create that space for someone, um, how do you do that, and where do you draw those lines, and who who's going to be coordinating?
1: Right. That makes sense. Um, Yeah. I mean, to reflect back, what I think I'm hearing you say is just that for some of these more uh, for, for events that are targeting more the game developer crowd instead of you know people who are on perceive themselves as being on the other side like the game curious crowd, mm-hmm. uh, a, an event that's instead of being a big event is a you know a smaller, more targeted, sustained thing uh, might might be part of the solution because it's uh, I, I think the thing that really jumped out to me was the fear of parachuting into a large room <laughs> filled yeah. with. You know potentially not hostile but you know like you know it might be a little bit standoffish uh or you might feel you know foreign or something uh whereas if you're in a room of six people uh you know there's an intimacy there and there's an easiness to get to know them you can manage that
2: yeah Um, and and it doesn't even have to be like um a six week six people six person format it could also be a game jam like a weekend game jam i'm thinking I'm actually thinking yeah. of the jams that Dame's Making Games runs. They're of a very different tone than the ones that are run by like Toe Jam, which is the uh, long-running game jam in Toronto. Um, Toe Jam, Toe Jam is very like frenetic, and you know, there's they bring in pizza and people are like crowded around their computers. <laughs> right. It's like they're packed into a school into George right. Brown Collegiate, um, wow. and there's a, there's a very different energy than the the DMG jams, which are like uh, like catered with really like really um, good sandwiches that are also healthy so they're not like you're not eating like potato chips all day and mm-hmm. um, they they put sort of an emphasis on like you don't you don't need to know what you're doing and there's going to be people to help you and right. um, you can just even hang out like it's very like low pressure and so right. i think that that i find those jams like way more um and it's not right. like it's not like either one is more productive than the other it's just like there's a, also a lot of you know white men who would rather go to like yeah yeah e- eat salads and and you know be chill <laughs> instead of like we gotta get this right. game done
1: right, right, um right. i mean yeah it's not necessarily even we don't necessarily need to like associate it seems to me gender with quiet or noisy no you know, no it's, it's we're talking about diversity so on the one hand it's natural to like try to associate things with genders or whatever mm-hmm. i i guess It's, you know, we could just go up a level and it sounds like in Toronto and certainly out here, you know, many of the events skew towards, uh, you know, big frenetic uh, events. Like we have a number of game jams that fit the description that you had a moment ago as well. Um, And we have very few or none at all events that are on that other side of the spectrum. And so that's obviously like going to have a filtering effect on who shows up. It's going to be the people who like big high-energy, stay-up-all-night drinking Red Bull events, and it's <laughs> the other group is not going to show up, whatever composition is of that other group, but so, yeah, I mean, I think...
2: Yeah, it's funny. It's like it's it shouldn't be gendered, and then yet somehow in the back of your brain, you're kind of like, it kind of shakes out that way, like it's super uncomfortable. Right. Um, I mean, it it, it, it it's, may it's, end
1: up being that way, right?
2: <laughs> right. Like it's, it's just like that's that's why the composition of the people that show up is different because sure. of those things, um, even though, of course, it shouldn't be that way. But also, like, why is that? Um, right. It's like um, uh, there's another women in games group in Montreal called Pixels and they run. Uh, I really want to them to run one in Toronto. They're like they're, it's called Tea So it's basically oh. like tea parties.
1: Okay. Tea party,
2: tea parties, and an arcade. arcade yeah. Okay. And <laughs> that's cool. Um, I think what I seem to recall Rebecca or one of the organizers telling me is that if you don't, um, if you just say like it's a tea party and an arcade, and like don't qualify it with anything else, you get a pretty 50/50 split uh-huh. of of uh, uh, men to women. Right. So it's like. Something about um, tea party, again, <laughs> shouldn't be gendered, but it is uh, gendered as female, right? Uh, when you when you put that, uh, when you juxtapose that with the with the video game aspect, which tends to skew male, somehow it evens out.
1: <laughs> right? Well, um, certainly, I mean, comparing 5050 split for that to, uh, I'm sure another event at a bar in the same city, and it probably would be 80, twenty or something so you know that's yes yeah a very different outcomes certainly uh, so it sounds like one one potential takeaway for for me anyway and is just you know to try to look at the types of events that we're running and uh, you know what the tenor of those events are and then think if if they're largely the same whether there's not uh, room for you know new ones or tweaking existing ones uh, so you know such that groups that that don't want to, for example, be at a bar or whatever, and you know, have a big, loud environment can can feel welcome in that. Whatever the new one would be, whether it's a tea party or playing board games or whatever.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 actually really fun to come up with with ideas like different themes that would um, attract people. We had a knitting circle arcade once. <laughs> okay. um, it was That's like video. So well. It was. <laughs> <laughs> it it was like. Um, talking about the sort of similarities between coding and, and knitting uh-huh. and uh, we had all these video games that used like cloth as their as like cloth texture like the yoshi yeah. games and yeah. yarny and all that kind of thing yeah and it was interesting because we had a few couples show up it was like um <laughs> mothers bringing their sons because they were, the mother was like, well, I like to knit, and my son likes to play video games, and there's hardly anything in the city that we both like to do together. That's wild. And so they were like, this was, this was perfect. And it's like a combination that you don't think would work, but right. they were totally playing Yoshi's Story together, and those are like two-player games, so it's perfect. Yeah. Uh, so, so just things like that, where it's... And these are things that just interest me Personally, so like they're kind of weird, um, weird combinations of things. But that's I I feel like that's uh, uh, what gets people into the door sometimes is doing something unexpected or right. saying saying the thing that people are thinking but they don't know other people are thinking it. So another another aspect of Game Curious is I made this sort of bingo sheet mm. and it was like all these here are all the reasons people don't play video games and so it was like a bingo card. So it was like, um, I don't have enough time. They're all about the protagonists are all male. Uh, I think they're just for kids. Uh, I don't play, but I watch my boyfriend play. And so these are these are tropes that like these are the same things that people keep saying every every time they, you know, you people ask what do you do and it's like well I make video games and then sometimes they they get a sheepish look and they're like oh I don't. I don't play video games and right. I, I always wonder like what's behind that like sheepishness like why are they why do they feel embarrassed about it right, right. um so I kind of try to think about like how do why why is that and, and what direction is that coming from
1: yeah that's, that's good well, that's really yeah that's really helpful so it sounds like you guys are going to be potentially scheduling some new events yourself to try to tackle some of these problems but uh For now it sounds like we've done this game curious thing and also tried some of these really off the wall things like the committing idea and and that those have been successful ways to get more diverse now that's definitely food for thought for me um we have a board game event that we've started but i don't i don't know the results of that i haven't done any kind of analysis but that to me (laughs) that sort of it's not quite as pronounced as a tea party or whatever but like it part of the reason that event came into being was was due to people saying hey all the socials are at a bar and that's fine but I don't want to you know a bar with everybody all night so going somewhere else and having a more you know subdued board game evening was you know what was what we came up with
2: yeah Uh, that's a good start
1: so maybe there's some other things like that that we could that we could uh, uh, try out and of course the other challenge uh, for us it sounds like you kind of touched on it, which is that, you you know, you need somebody passionate enough with the energy and time to <laughs> actually run these events. So that's always mm-hmm. a little hard, but uh, I'm sure we can drum it up for, for a cool event like knitting or tea or whatever.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Having themes, I think, helps people frame what an event is going to be sometimes.
1: Yeah. And It sounds like you guys don't always run. We tend to run recurring events, but it sounds like you guys have done like the, the knitting one. Just to pick on that example again, it doesn't yeah. sound like that was something that you have been doing, you know, for months and months, forever and ever, no. some number of times. Is that? Do you find that that is a, a successful way, maybe, to like sort of go spearfishing for, quote unquote, diverse, you know, like spearfish <laughs> diversity? Like, you know, you don't have to commit to some huge thing. You can just see if people like it and see how how that filters back into the org
2: yeah i mean i the knitting thing just came about because um i thought it was an interesting idea and i had met this knitting instructor who was into yarn based video games so it was really her inspired (laughs) i was just being inspired by her and we were like we should do a thing yeah and so we definitely have like anchor programs that recur year after year and they they tend to be a lot bigger right um but then for the one-off events i'm I'm totally fine with like having an idea and just executing it and then seeing what happens. And then like, I would like to do the knitting circle one again, just because that one seemed to catch a lot of people's interest. And we actually have a textiles museum here in Toronto. So venues, uh, yeah. So venue venues is something that's kind of, um, interesting for us because we're, we're a nomadic organization, so we don't have a physical space. Yeah. Uh, so we just kind of cuckoo in other people's spaces and that kind of also determines Uh, what what kinds of what kind of programming we run because often those venues will already have a built-in audience like there's already an organization Mm. that is using that venue and they're just like either renting it out to us or co-presenting something so you can do like a lot of really great cross-pollination it's often people like like artists from other disciplines or like uh, groups that you haven't worked with before, like newcomer and immigrant groups, for example. There's a lot of organizations in Toronto, um, in that space. Um, so yeah, so like looking looking for partners is another uh, partners and venues that could um, help you in sort of uh, uh, your quest.
1: Yeah, uh, it's also good. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And we're also, like you said, you know, a vagabond group with no with no headquarters. So it, it it's a great way to turn a problem namely like where to find a venue into an opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's really a clever idea. So yeah, I mean, I've, I've definitely got a lot to, to go uh, chew on and, br- and bring back to the rest of the folks at Seattle Indies, I think. And, and yeah, pick- start
2: start some conversations.
1: Yeah, how we could maybe change some of the, the vibe of some of our events and, and partner with some venues. Those are all uh, you know really good ideas that we hadn't really been
0: thinking about too deeply. So this is this is gonna get the ball rolling. Great. Microphone Gain is a project of the Game Arts International Network. What is that, you ask? Well, if you're listening to this, you probably know about all the amazing people all over the world that are championing games as an art form. Collectives, curators, and not-for-profits that are showcasing and nurturing games made primarily for creative expression, rather than purely out of commercial interest. These people are helping support thousands of game artists collectively, but who's supporting them? That's why we started to establish the Game Arts International Network, or GAIN, to interconnect and try to support each other in our common challenges and inspire each other with our successes. If you like the sound of that, and you'd like to support us, the best way to do that now is to let someone know about GAIN who might benefit from the information we're sharing. We know lots of the established groups internationally, but we don't know all the people who are emerging as organizers and creators, so it really helps if you let them know that this resource exists. They might sign up on the mailing list or subscribe to this podcast, and that's one more node in the network.